Hey guys, this is the last episode of the David Parker Ray case. I just want to say thank you for sticking with us. I know this has been a long journey, especially for a guy that we technically can't say killed anyone at all. Super interesting case nonetheless. In tonight's episode, we're going to start off with Jen's segment that we ended on the last one. We're also going to dive into Cindy Hendy and her background. And there's some recent news about her that happened from 2019, which will probably make you sick. And we're going to talk about David Parker Ray's biological daughter. Her name is Glenda Ray, but everyone calls her Jessie. She was directly involved in all this as well. We're also going to talk about the Church of Satan being involved, the high priest, the devil's dick, all this stuff. If you look at David Parker Ray's trailer, which had $100,000 worth of equipment in there, torture equipment, he had to get that money somewhere. Yeah, he was selling the tapes to overseas buyers, but he was also possibly getting a lot of that money from the church. And then that should wrap it up, this whole case up. Stay tuned to the very end. I do have a, another special segment. I kind of jump in here and talk about one more thing. It's only going to be a few minutes, but I think it'll wrap it up nicely, especially from where we started from. And again, thank you guys so much for listening and going to talkmer.com and commenting. I love seeing those comments. And I guess that's it. So we'll start with Jen's segment and let's get on with it. He was also into bestiality. And Nicole's going to read this thing about bestiality. I thought that was a joke earlier when you said that. <laughs> when do I, I ever joke so- anymore? <laughs> a lot. Because we're talking about poor hubs. <laughs> well, hubs isn't here. He the audience wants you to read bestiality. So no, they don't. I had so many comments. They're like, Nicole, please read the bestiality thing. Stop it. It's Uh, true. It's better than me reading it, though, because I'd probably Actually, these comments do say Jen. Let's Jen Jen read this. No, (laughs) no. I feel like it's only fair after I read a half an hour. Okay, that is true. Okay, okay. Jen, think of Murphy when you're reading this. No, I will not. All right, this is. I have to make sure I can see straight to read first. Can you make that a little bit bigger? This is the welcome message, if you will, for the bestiality. There's welcome messages for different things bestiality practice, rape and torture practices for the tapes, and the Church of Satan practices, which you're going to read here in a second. And if you have a dog at home, especially if it's a large German shepherd. Stop! (laughs) He's a mix, first of all. Yeah, he's going to mix with you. Ew. Sorry. Why? <laughs> Poor Murph. I love that. I need, to, I need to cuddle him close after this. Yeah, or you maybe are. not. I don't know. <laughs> you may want maybe to separate maybe him not. after this. Yeah. Oh, boy. I learned a lot about um, dog orgasms in this one. I don't want to know about that. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I Jen. guess I'm going to read it anyway. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Let me put up a picture of Murph. No, <laughs> Why no. Do you read this. Oh my God. Yeah. I have a picture of him. Uh. Thank God. Who knows what you'd do with that? <laughs> You'll be taken into the living room and put on the floor on your hands and knees, naked. Your wrists, ankles, knees, and hips will be strapped to a metal frame to hold your body in that position. The frame is designed for doggy fucking. Your ass up in the air, sex organs exposed. Your tits hanging down on each side of the metal support bar. Knees spread about 12 inches, positions similar to that of a bitch dog in heat right in the middle of the floor so we can sit on the couch and chairs and watch. 
So he says we right there, too. Keep that in mind. There's a lot of people involved in this. That's gross. Just Just read through it fast, Jen. Uh, (laughs) Read fast. I'm going to make some dog noises. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stop it. I'm going to rub canine breeder's musk on your back, the back of your neck, and on your sex organs. Now, I have three dogs, all of them males, because I don't need any fucking pups. One of them is a very large German shepherd that's always horny, and he loves it when I bring him in the house to fuck a woman. After I let him in the house, he'll sniff around you a little bit, and within a minute, he'll be mounting you. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) No! Stop! That was fucked. Poor Murph. There's about a 50-50 chance which hole he'll get his penis into, but it doesn't seem to bother him whether it's the pussy or the asshole. His penis is pretty thin. It goes in easy, but it's about 10 inches long. And when his when he gets completely 10 excited, inches long? It gets a hell of a hell of a knot right in the middle of it. I've had sex slaves tell me it feels like they've got a baseball inside of them. Wait, wait so he says a hell of a knot, like knot. Like it gets knotted up. I don't, don't know. I've never Can fucked a dog. Can we keep going, please? Jesus because Christ. Because if, if a dog... No, no, just, I, no. I'm not going to be... I'm not saying I'm not doing this to be funny, but when dog, a male dog has sex with a female dog, sometimes he'll get stuck inside of her. Didn't know that. Didn't know Sorry. that. That's why I'm... Didn't know. Let's not just, a breeder. Didn't know. Let's keep going. It doesn't take long for him to come. He's going to hump you real fast, about three or four minutes. And while he's doing it, he'll wrap his front legs around your chest to hold himself in position. And in the process, he'll probably scratch your tits with his claws. After he gets through, he usually turns around and tries to pull it out. The knot will usually shrink enough to come out of your pussy in about three minutes. If he's in your asshole, about five minutes. (laughs) Now, if you'll think all this is sick and depraved, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm I am so glad that I am fucked up right now. If I was sober, I would not have gotten through that, but like I'm in a totally different mind space that that didn't like yeah. I don't want to say it didn't bother me. It bothered me, but like not to the point where it would if I was sober. It's not to the point where you got to go home and look at Murphy in any different Stop it. <laughs> All right, we're done. I need to hug my dog and remind myself that he is fixed and that's not going to happen. Okay, this is pretty terrible. Let's talk about Cindy Hindy because she's not any worse. <laughs> at this point, I'm just trying to. At this point, I'm just trying to focus on the Chipotle. We're getting or Chipotle the, or the whatever food I will Taco be trying Bell. to consume. Uh, Cindy Hindy. She moved to New Mexico in 1997. In 1996, she applied for Social Security benefits, and on that form, she was labeled, quote, below normal intelligence, end quote. She was 37 when she met Ray, who was, take a guess how old? 57? Damn, yeah, right on there. 20 Whoa. years. 20 years, his, her elder. 37, she meets Ray at 57. She grew up in Washington State. She was one of three children. She actually fled the law in 1997. And she moved in with her boyfriend, John Youngblood, and they moved to Truth or Consequences. He would beat the shit out of her all the time. And she kind of, I mean, I was going to say it, she kind of liked it. She says that she's a manic 
that she has manic depression, end quote. And she wrote this to the judge and she That's spelled like bipolar back then. She spelled manic, M-A-N-I-K. Like she oh. wrote, she's writing this to the judge and she you says, you need to get that spell check, girl. I tend to go off for no reason, end quote. I drink too much alcohol, which this is all misspelling. Uh, I drink too much alcohol. That's why I'm on medications. Very, very sorry. Please believe me, Judge Fitch, Cynthia L. Hindi. So she, and she'll admit this, she loved rubbed rubbed sex. She loved rough sex. She loved it so much, and she liked the torture stuff, that she went to a doctor and has her, quote, inside and outside lips of her vagina removed. What? So rough sex would feel better, end quote. What? That doesn't even make any sense. I mean, does it make sense to you, I Nicole? guess they, they get in the way. You just take them out, and now it's just a hole, black hole, super massive black hole. Thank you, Muse, but no, <laughs> thank you. I'm all set with that. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, anyone to go and get their vagina lips taken out. I don't know that was a thing. Why are you going to spend that unnecessary money? You could spend that on other things, like alcohol or a weight loss surgery or, or Barbie dolls for her, the little girls that she would invite over. Cause she was, a, she was a, a pedophilia, a pedophile. She loved little girls. And I think it was more of, she had such a traumatic childhood, which we're about to talk about that. She kind of wanted to inflict that pain on others. I'm not a psychiatrist, but her background, she would watch her mother go through several boyfriends. So her stepdaddies. And she would get beaten, the mother would get beaten to a pulp in front of her, almost at a nightly basis. This one stepfather began raping her when she was 11. He claimed that he was drunk and thought that Cindy Hindy, the 11-year-old, was actually her mom. Okay, come in, come on. The All right, this is how fucked up her life was. And I'm not, this isn't an excuse, but I'm saying this fucked this one stepdad rapes her at 11, says, oh, I was drunk. I thought that was you. The mother kicks her own daughter out after that at 12 years old, kicks her out because her boyfriend just raped the daughter and he says he thought he was mistaken. He thought it was the mom. So the mother kicks the daughter out of the fucking house. Now she's 12 years old. She's on the streets and she stayed there on the streets until, I mean, she's, that's the last time she's been home. She moved around with different men, basically by the age of 12, whoever had the best and the most cocaine, she started doing petty crimes and got caught selling drugs to an undercover cop. That's why she was on the run and she fled to New Mexico. One boyfriend says, quote, I remember she liked a rough I remember she liked sex rough and hard. She'd dig her fingernails and I'd have these big old scratches on my back and it would take a long time until the claw marks would go away. She liked to have her ass slapped. She liked to hold. She liked me to hold her down and tell her I was going to rape her. She always wanted to partner swap. She'd say to me that maybe we should, quote, rape somebody, maybe a prostitute. I told her that shit might be fun to think about, but I wasn't going to do it ever. I flat out told her I'm not going to jail, end quote. 
She's also a coke whore. And this is another quote from a, another friend. Quote, she's a coke whore too. She wasn't in the right mind. It was the alcohol and drugs. She didn't know how to be straight. And if she was, she wasn't fit to be around. So have you ever met someone that is more pleasant when they're fucked up? Because I have been in the military. No, no, not you. I'm, there's people out there that are is a burden to be around them if they're sober. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely yeah. have met those people, but I don't also I also do not associate with them outside of the the scenarios that I like need to associate with them. So I don't know what they're like fucked up, but they are terrible to associate with sober. One resident and friend says that Hindi actually tortured Ray, not physically, but kind of emotionally. They were they were saying that she was using Ray for like a free place to live and for sex and stuff like that. Now, she remember Roy Yancey that we kind of went over. She mm-hmm. was dating that guy and she would have these threesomes with David Ray and then Roy Yancey. It's just fucking gross. Gross. The defense attorney harped to the judge that Cindy Hindy had a terrible childhood. She was abused and molested. Everything I just told you. Cindy V. Hill, the one that we talked about with the ice pick, she said, quote, I was molested as a child and I don't go around kidnapping and torturing people. Let's get Cindy Hindy out the way for good. What do you think happened to her? She died. Sentenced to life in prison? She was sentenced for the the rape and the involvement and it's like criminal sexual penetration and stuff like that. We're just going to get her out the way completely before we move on. I think that'd be a good weight off everyone's shoulders. Yeah. She pleaded guilty to five counts of kidnapping, criminal sexual penetration and conspiracy. This is from the Cynthia V Hill case. Cynthia V Hill, the ice pick is the reason that anyone got any jail time pretty much. I mean, she and, and go reading her trial transcripts, She has to go in there. She barely remembered anything. Remember, she was drugged Mm -hmm. and she was hypnotized and all this shit. She didn't even know she was there until she saw her fucking tattoo on the video. So she has to relive this that she didn't even know about. So you have the prosecutor or excuse me, you have the you have the public defender saying, are you sure this happened? I mean, you don't remember shit, you know, type of thing. And then she has to go in there and tell her horrible story. Mm. Anyway, after this, we're getting Cindy Hindy out the way. She was she was convicted and found guilty. She was sentenced to 36 years in the New Mexico prison system. At first, she was she pleaded guilty to five counts of kidnapping, criminal, sexual penetration and conspiracy. So that's pretty good, right? All right. So let's get her out the way for good. This is from KRQE. If you want to read that headline. Suspected killer David Parker Ray's girlfriend released from prison. Oh, no. So she was released on in July of 2019. So she is a free woman. She is out. Now, she's out the way. We're no longer talking about her. She is involved in all of these tortures. A lot of the videos. And she's walking free. Yeah, she's walking free. Yeah. So. And- no, I mean, I get she served time. But- no, yeah, she served her time from what he was given to her, you know. So that is the law, but, you know, she, I mean, what's she doing now? Does she get a regular job? She like Carla Homolka working at a school. Oh, that no. fucking bitch. I'm going to read this real quick. This is from V Hill speaking to Hindi directly in court. 
fighting back a wave of te- tears and and all this stuff I'm reading guys again is from that book Slow Death by James Fielder. Fighting back a wave of tears V Hill urged the judge to give Hindi the maximum sentence. Then she turned one last time to the woman who laughed at her while she was being tortured. Cindy V Hill looked deep into the face of the eyes of Cindy Hindi while the woman who helped David place dildos inside of V Hill's body simply sat motionless and looked at the floor. Quote, there is not enough time you could serve in prison. Cynthia V Hill said, there is no excuse for what you and David did. End quote. This is David Ray's biological daughter. Now, Jesse. Guys, I know you guys want us to talk murder to you and stuff like that, but the fact is, besides the fucking torture tapes and some of the eyewitness accounts, there is no murder we can really talk about because no one was ever convicted of murder, you know? And no one confessed to murder besides Roy Yancey. So, the, you know, and, and the fact that he buried the body in the desert. But it's suspected that they murdered. I know, but there's not even, I can't even go into the murders at all because number one, we don't even know who the victims are. If there is any victims, we don't know who these women are. What am I going to say? Like, uh, you know, this and that happened. I mean, I would just be speculating at that point. I feel like I'm just droning on and on, but no, you're not. It's, it's like a these, hard episode. It is. It's, it's hard. Cause like, dude, I, it's, there's not, I don't know. He was never convicted of any murders. And it's like, I mean, you know, he's killed fucking a lot of people. A lot. Based like, on all those pendants. You don't have any, like, usually if I find, if there's a body, let's say, th- let's say there's a body that was found besides that one in the fucking lake. Right. right. I mean, we talked about that being the bag of goo, but usually there's an autopsy and I can go into stab wounds or whatever to fucking whatever. There's nothing, man. So it's like, dude, this guy even kill anyone? Obviously, everyone thinks he did and knows he did. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's, I mean, he's a park ranger or worked with the park rangers. You got five different state parks. You got thousands and th- thousands of, you know what I'm saying? He's probably killed but, at least... <laughs> But a then again, dozen people. But then again, why risk? Why risk being caught not killing them? Why let let them? You know, trust in the in the drugs and the the hypnosis. I guess it worked really well. But why let you know put that risk out there when you you're already a killer, man? You know, you might. I mean, you kill ten, you might as well kill fucking twenty. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, these women are all fucked up. Uh, Cynthia V. Hill, I, I'll go into if you want me to later, but she had a psychiatrist and this classic PTSD, can't sleep, can't get a job, has anxiety, doesn't want to even have intercourse with her boy, her husband now. Like all the PTSD mm-hmm. signs. I don't know. This right here, who you're looking at is the very ugly man. This is what she's been called. This is Ray. They kind of look alike, actually. Yeah, they do. This is David Parker Ray's biological daughter. Biological daughter. Jesse. Yeah, Jesse. Her name, her actual name is Glenda Ray, but she goes by Jesse. She was convicted of the kidnap and torture of Kelly Van Cleve in the summer of 1996. Now, Kelly Van Cleve, if you're as you're gonna hear. You're going to hear me talk about Kelly Van Cleve. She also goes by another name now that she's married. And that name is Kelly Garrett. So if I 
interswap them. That's because of that. This is the daughter, the biological daughter. They look just alike to me. Fucking. This is the woman that will bring a victim, a drunk victim that's almost about passed, about to be passed out anyway. Throw him on the back of her Harley Davidson and drive him to her dad's house. Her and her dad would go into the back room, talk a little bit, and then come out with a knife and strip down the victim. She was a very popular drug dealer. Coke, meth, marijuana. She was also a good pool player. She also has a seven-year-old daughter named Kayla. This is the daughter. This is the daughter of David Ray. We don't have a photo of her daughter. She has a daughter named Kayla. I don't know anything about her. There's no information. But what we do know is that she was fathered by her own father. <gasps> Wait, what? Did you just say she was fathered by Jesse's father? So David, David Ray the, is the, the biological father. So David Ray has two daughters. One is his daughter and, and the then other his one is his daughter's granddaughter. Daughter, yeah. His granddaughter daughter. Yeah. Oh That's my god! I'm Everyone, my, I want to throw up. Yeah, I literally I, want to throw up right now. Honestly, I, I kept on thinking about the letter that I had to read last week. It's true. And it, made me, it made me want to throw up. The whole dog thing made me want to throw up. This also makes me want to throw up. This I, is the most barf-worthy case we've ever yeah, done. Yeah, I would have to say that last week's letter I kind of tuned out because it was very hard to oh, listen god. to. During the first part of this episode, actually, most of it, I've been fucked up, so I haven't. But like right now, I literally feel like I hopefully, want to throw hopefully, up. you don't remember this part later, Jen. <laughs> while we're watching Elvin eating, oh, burritos, pa- pasta, pasta, or, or burritos, whatever, whatever, carbohydrates. Yes. Okay. Bagels. Bagels. So, guys, I'm cake. Guys, I'm so sorry. I forgot to preface this whole episode with we're going back to truth or consequences. And so this is normal. <laughs> What do y'all expect? This is the, <laughs> this is the truth and the consequences, not or. You have there a, is no either or. There you is have consequences a, of the truth, and that is what happened, and it's disgusting. You have a resident saying, I don't think my town's full of white trash. <laughs> I mean, D says, yay, I'm a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I started the, the episode with a quote from someone saying, I don't think my town's full of white trash. <laughs> like, what the Oh God! I just don't. I just do not understand. There's like so. What many do you mean other- you don't understand? He fathered I, a I, daughter by yes, his own daughter. I I understand that, but there, <clears throat> so there's like so many other sexual fantasies that you can live out instead of incest. To like, what, you gotta understand what could humanly possibly <clears throat> make you want to have intercourse with your own offspring? It's so disgusting. Like. Mm-mm. Like uh, I, I see third cousins, while not acceptable, is more acceptable than your own daughter that you fathered. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What about first cousins? Not okay. Einstein married his first Don't cousin care. Elsa. Don't care. Can we move on, please? And he's the smartest guy Can ever lived. Can we move on from the whole incest? that we know of? Move like- on. <laughs> I'm done. I'm okay. done. All right. Done. She lived with her dad. So. She obviously she was in the rapes with her father. You guys understand like this isn't somebody asked and I'm not sure who asked last time. I don't know if it was on live chat or whatever, but somebody said, does David Parker Ray have any offspring unintentionally with these women? Oh, yeah. Jen asked that. 
Jen asked. Jen asked that? I did? Yeah, I remember that from last week. I don't remember that. Well, I do. I do. Okay. Well, so this may be one. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Because he would he would take turns raping these women and the daughter was also involved. Like she was there as well. And I, everyone was involved in this. So, you know, there you go. Seven-year-old daughter, Kayla. One local resident who was also a lesbian, her name was Betty. She fell in love with Glenda Ray and, and she thought they were going to be a, a couple for a long time. They would go to Ray's trailer on the floor and have sex there on the trailer. She found out later and she didn't know this. The daughter knew this, but the dad had hidden cameras and would watch his daughter have sex with her lover on on the carpet of his trailer. I mean, th- I mean, this guy is terrible, right? Um, I mean, anyway. Now, 13 years... I mean, we thought he was <clears throat> terrible before that, but okay. When uh, Jesse Ray was growing up, now this is 13 years before she was, for 1999, before all this happened, she actually turned her father into the FBI. This is how the FBI had the idea to start investigating him. And they have been for a while, but like there's no evidence because no women are coming forward. No because women they, are saying I've been they raped. Were hypnotized. I know, and, I know. And brainwashed. <clears throat> I know. But I mean, who would have thought that it would fucking work, right? You know, I mean, who would think that shit works? I Fuck. I mean, these women didn't even know until they were shown a video. And it's like, okay, but they would have nightmares and stuff. But it was just crazy. Anyway. Now, she, this is from uh, the book, Slow Death. In June 1986, quote, she alleged that David Parker Ray was abducting and torturing women and selling them to buyers in Mexico. For over one year thereafter, the FBI in New Mexico conducted an investigation in an attempt to substantiate the allegations. The investigation was conducted under the jurisdiction in the FBI's White Slave Traffic Act. No victims were identified and none came forward. End quote. That's from Doug Belden of the FBI. And she was 16 at the time. Why would she go try to turn in her own father to the fucking FBI, not the cops, but the FBI, and says, my dad has killed 16 people, at least. Was she hoping that she would get immunity? No. This is, uh, according to a close friend of Jesse, quote, that was her last try to get out from under her dad's influence. It was the last time she said to him, no, dad, what you're doing is wrong. I, and the friend says, I blame the FBI. They did nothing after that. She didn't even try, end quote. Now, that is a friend of her saying that. Okay, another person that known her has a different take on why she turned her own father into the fucking FBI, into the FBI. She says that Jesse, her father, quote, tried to cheat her out of the share of money from a pot growing operation. Remember in California when he was growing pot, that operation. Mm -hmm. And she was pissed at him. She was, quote, real mad at him. So she turned him into the FBI, simple as that, end quote. So there's two sides of the coin here. Maybe she was trying to get out under her dad's influence. She was sickening, sickening. By all this, because she's been moving with her dad. 
Mm-hmm. Right. She would move from Phoenix to California to I mean, they move all over. Women would come in. They were dungeon. I mean, they had a dungeon at every location like this dude set up his life for this sexual sadism shit. You know? Yeah. She grew up around this shit. She would see women come in and then three months later come out of the basement all drugged and fucked up and then or maybe not, maybe in a body bag or a gunny sack. You know what I'm saying? She's seen all this shit. Right. She knows what's going on. She ain't stupid. So, you know, I mean, whatever. Whatever you think. I don't know the real reason behind it. I guess no one ever will. Now, this is uh, the Betty thing I was telling you about. If you want to read this, it's for the podcast. It wasn't until after the mass arrests in 1999 that Betty discovered that David Ray had a secret camera mounted behind a hole in the wall of the living room so he could watch his daughter having sex while he sat in front of his television screen in the back of his bedroom. Betty quivered all over at the thought. David Ray was only tried for, there was only three different, not even murders, just rapes, okay? And the whole time the defense attorney is saying, they're watching the video of this lady, Kelly Van Cleef, if you want to see her here. They're watching her getting raped. And this is how it goes down in the trial. The defense attorney, the public defender for David Parker Ray is saying, wait, no, no, rewind it. It looks like she's smiling. It looks like she likes it here. Does she like that or not? I can't tell. Is she into this? Did she want this to happen? This is how the fucking trial goes. That's terrible. It's terrible. But dude, you don't know you don't know because like she didn't even come forward until the fucking FBI so, found her. And then one victim came forward only to sell her story. Now I, I shouldn't say that one victim came forward. Not I should, uh, let me back up. One victim came forward and also sold her story to the globe, which is the big newspaper. So to a jury, they're like, well, fuck, I don't know. Do you like this? Don't you like this? What the fuck? You know, let's let's move through this. Kelly Van Cleef. OK, so all these are Jesse's going to be involved directly. She's the one involved in these. This is going to be part of her trial, too. This is who you're looking at right now is Kelly Van Cleef. This is her former name. Now she goes by Kelly Garrett or married name. She's a woman with a swan tattoo. She didn't even know she was in this. I'm reading this because this is going to get bad. This is going to get bad. I'm reading this to preface the fact that this is fucking terrible. Kelly has what she calls, quote, female problems, in quotes. Now, this is before she was tortured and captured and raped. This is from when she was a teen. I guess some females have this. I'm not sure. I didn't look into it. I didn't want to. But sex hurts. It's painful. For them. I mean, I, I guess it's painful in general. I don't know. But for the way she described it is before this even happened, she can't even have sex with her boyfriend. Her There would be constant arguments and stuff like that because it was so painful. She would cry every time that you know, penetration would happen. Anyway, moving forward, she's drunk at a bar called Raymond's. Guess who's there? Who? Jesse. Oh. Hey, do you want to, you seem drunk as hell. Do you want to get on back of my motorcycle and go to my dad's house and sleep it off? Sure. Okay. Now this is her testimony. 
We were sitting on the living room couch and suddenly David and Jesse went to the back room for about 10 minutes. When they came out, one of them put a knife to my throat. I can't remember which one. They took me outside to another trailer. I remember being tied to a bench. It was like a weight bench. I had my arms up over my head. I had my legs spread apart. Every time I moved, I thought I was going to fall off of it. Right away, he started using dildos on me. He tried to force them inside me and they wouldn't go. They'd always part ways inside me. That's all. Dildos felt like they were the size of a can of Copenhagen stuff. Snuff. It's a t- it's a chewing tobacco. Okay, can oh. of Copenhagen stuff. It's like um, it's like the size of an orange. It's like spit tobacco. Ew, gross. Gross. We used to do it all the time. Ugh. Ding. You put it like under your lip. Nah. <laughs> Nasty. I could hear him talking, and at one time, the duct tape came off my cheek, and I leaned back and saw David. Before he he could adjust it, I looked up at the walls and ceiling for a minute. He had all kinds of things on top of a medicine cabinet and the things hanging on the walls. He was putting his fingers inside me, trying to find what the dildos didn't work. It was like he was trying to play doctor. He came back to the toy box six different times. He tried to force the dildos inside me at least 30 different times. He would leave me tied to the table, and when he came back, he would start all over again. I kept telling him I didn't want to do it. He kept saying no, no, and I kept telling him I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to go home. I was trying to tell him to quit. I was crying. When he let me go, he drove over to Earl's Diamond Gas Station with a cup of coffee. And on the way there, he told me why I had been taken and why I was going to be released. He told me he was in some kind of satanic group and that they'd been watching me for a long time and they wanted me for a sex toy. He said when the dildos wouldn't go in, I'd be no use to them. So he decided to let me go. He took me to Janet Murphy's to release me, and he told the two of them that he found me on the beach. I was confused. Patrick and his mother wouldn't let me in the house, not even to get my toothbrush. They wanted to know where I'd been, and at the time, I couldn't remember anything. Hold on. Patrick was... She was uh, she was uh, about to be married. They had just started the, the wedding... Um, you know, they planning engaged. is engaged. Yeah, that's what I meant. Engaged. That's so she comes back home after being gone for two days or three days, and the reason she was let go is because the as she said she had female problems. They wouldn't fit inside of her. So he was, and and the reason he was like looking at her like a doctor is because he was seeing how wide she can get or whatever. Does that make sense? Fucked up. It is fucked up. They wanted to know where I'd been, and at the time, I couldn't remember anything. They made me go away with David, and he drove me down to Dam Sight Tavern, and my friend Dave Connolly took care of me for the next two days. Ray hurt me real bad. I bled for three or four days afterward. Yeah, so here's the, the MO after, like, Kelly Van Cleef. She has no idea where she's at. David had told her this, but she didn't remember until they found her, and then things started coming back up. She was, she woke up on the beach and there's David coming to rescue with his park ranger uniform on. Hey, what are you doing? Why are you on the beach? Are you okay? I'm going to drive you back to your, your boyfriend's house or whoever your family's house or whatever. You, are you sure you're okay? Okay. Just trust me. Come with me. So that's the MO. It's like, you know, he shows up as the good guy after she's been drugged and fucking brainwashed. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I found her on the beach. 
type of shit. Now, for the next years, she's having these nightmares and she is so afraid because any female would come forward and say, yeah, this happened to me. People are like, what? You know? And one quote I read from another female juror in here said um, that if you claim, if you're female and claim rape, most female jurors won't believe you, which is kind of interesting to think about. So Kelly Van Cleef, she was naked, strapped, spread eagle to a black leather weight bench, tied down red plastic straps, legs positioned wide apart, knees up in the air, ankles and stirrups, arms tied down and above her head. There was a two inch piece of gray duct tape over her mouth and another two inch wide over her eyes. David, dressed in blue jeans, black cowboy boots and cowboy shirt. This is on the videotape. Quote, Ray hurt me bad. I bled for four days afterward. Quote, this is from her. He leaned over and slid the first two fingers of his right hand in and out of her vagina. She moved her head. This is really important because this is what the trial was. Let's look. Does she look like she likes it? I don't think she likes it. Quote, she moved her head from side to side as if to say no. So she is getting raped, moving her head like, no, no, no. And now the. And this is what they have. They're not doing it because they're bad people. But the prosecutor, the public defender, who also quit and moved after this trial, probably because he's so sick of himself for defending this guy, and he became like a construction worker or something. He is asking if she likes it or not. And they're looking at her movements of her face. Isn't it fucked? It's fucked, man. Jesus Christ. I don't know. She was dazed, tired, mopey out of it. And this is from what her ex, ex, because they broke up. Mr. Ray said he'd found her on the beach and took her out for a sugared up coffee or coffee before bringing her home. So. (sighs) Now she would say, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember anything. And then she said, quote, I've had memories on and off for the last four years. I didn't know if it was true. I thought it was a nightmare. And most of the time I didn't want to believe it. It was when the New Mexico State Police showed me pictures taken from the videotape that I realized it wasn't a dream anymore. And it was a new reality. And at first I couldn't deal with it. So thanks to her and the other one that came forward is the only reason that, you know, he got tried in the first place. I'm not going to go into her PTSD thing because this is getting too long, but I'll put it on talkmer.com. Uh I'm just going to quickly run. Not, I'm not going to go through it, but hypersensitive, occasionally paranoid, uh, trouble sleeping. She isolates herself. She actually, she quote, felt people from truth or consequences. Everyone was out to harm her. In the video, the psychiatrist says, quote, the woman in the video, her, she is moving her arms. If you look closely, you can see by the movement of her throat that she is gently weeping, Mm. gently weeping. Oh, my God. So, well, actually, the prosecutor said that. Sorry, I got my notes messed up. The prosecutor said that. The defense attorney, quote, the public defender of David Ray, quote, I want you to look at the manner in which this man touches this woman. This is gentle. This is not torture. Her vulva is extended. 
You often see that in horses and cattle out on the ranch. What happens here? Is Kelly crying or just laughing? End quote. Ugh. Oh, sick, dude. This is, I can't. Dude, what well, you got to is your fucking job. Yeah, I know, but I am <laughs> saying it's just mentally, it's, mentally, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. Why do you think I've been quiet for the past 20 minutes? All right, we're almost done. So we think that the money came from a church, the Tabernacle Church, from what I found, and that that church was a satanic church, which is super fucking popular in that time period, in the 80s especially. So this is the welcome message. Again, it's not as long, Nicole, but this is the welcome message from the church. I'm well. So here's the thing. The here's the thing. Way with the hello here's bitch. the thing. I don't want to fucking say that it is from this church or not. I'm going off speculation from what the residents are saying. They're saying this church was devil worshiping. They're saying that this pastor was in charge of the video production. This stuff. It all kind of fits together for me. But I'm not. I don't want to say that the church is fucking evil when there's no proof other than that. Hello, bitch. I'm sure you're wondering why you've been kidnapped. And what's going to happen to you? That's why this tape has been made. It saves a lot of talking. It's brief, blunt, and to the point. I'm a dungeon master for the local chapter of the Church of Satan. Lucifer, or the devil to you. I've been abducted so that your body can be used during rituals and for sexual purposes for the congregation after the meetings. Our membership is pretty small. After about 20 people, mixed male and female. Our meetings are pretty much what most people imagine, the way it's depicted in movies. A hidden church, black robes, pentagrams, rituals, chanting, a lot of nakedness, animal sacrifices, chicken blood, and a hell of a lot of sex afterwards. The meetings get interesting and exciting, to say the least. Trying to raise the demons is important, but it is the sex that keeps the church financially afloat. I'm sorry, everyone else is eating, but I'm not. So <laughs> fuck all y'all. <laughs> These bagels are good. The That's high- why I bought them. Oh my-, oh my god, let me fucking read so I can eat. Now I'm getting hangry. The high priest likes to keep everybody fired up on sex, and for that we like fresh meat. Every couple of months we kidnap some good-looking little bitch during to use during the rituals and be kept available for everyone to use during the orgy. Let me tell you what happens at the meetings. I can hear y'all chewing, so if, if y'all want to back up and, you know, <laughs> allow me to eat. Cheers, Jim. <laughs> Fuck you. Let me tell you what happens at the meetings. The orgy room is separate from the main church. It contains several couches, many mats on the floor, and a refreshment center. In the middle of the room, a large wooden table with leather straps on it. Prior to each meeting, you'll be taken to the church in a wooden box, naked in chains, and with your eyes taped shut so you can't identify anybody. Once there, you'll be strapped down to the top of the table. Your arms will be chained straight to each side, and leather straps will be buckled across your upper chest, your rib cage, and your belly so you can't move. Your legs will be spread extremely wide apart because some of our members have diversified interests in a which hole they want to use. There is a U-shaped cutout at the top of the table and allows your head to drop right down into it. Another leather strap will put across your forehead so you can't move, allowing your mouth and throat to be available for sex. Dental jaw blocks will be installed in your mouth so you can't bite anybody during oral sex. When your mouth is wide open, the members will shove their dicks on your throat and hump your face until they come. 
After the church, after the meeting over and the church is over, everyone will move into the orgy room and take their robes off. Now everybody is fucking naked. They'll surround the table. You're definitely going to be the center of attention, especially at the first meeting when you're the new girl. Everybody is going to want you and fill you up and try you out. Anyway, the high priest will move to the bottom of the table with a large wooden box that contains the dildo. That's what we call the devil's stick. The tip is small, so it'll start the vagina easy, but the thing is tapered. It winds enormously at the base to about three inches thick, and the whole thing is pretty close to 12 inches long. It's a real pussy stretcher. Once it goes in, the high priest will chant, The devil fucks, the devil fucks, the devil fucks. A half a dozen people will hold your body still while the high priest forces the dicks all the way inside you. There will be a sudden blast of pain between your legs and it's not unusual for a girl to pass out while it's being done. Next, the high priest will rape you. After he gets through, your body will be available for everybody's use. They'll take turns using you in various ways and during the course of the evening, most of them will come back for seconds and thirds. You'll probably be raped 40 to 50 times. The next morning, everybody goes home. I'll take you back to the dungeon, wash the sperm out of your body, and clean you up. I'll give you a bath and let your body and let you build your strength so that we can do it all over again. You're going to be used for three or four meetings. By then, the captive is pretty well worn out, and everyone's tired of her. Remember, your body is a property of the Church of Satan. The Church is going to have you one night every two weeks, and the rest, and I've got you the rest of the time. Now, the dungeon belongs to the Church, and it's very well equipped. They spend a ton of money building all sorts of specialized equipment about anything I asked for. There's a, the trailer, right? $100,000. There you go. They even gave medical supplies to patch up girls in case the high priest tears some sluts pussy with a big dildo. But that doesn't happen every too often. One of my duties is to pre-stretch the girl's vagina so the dildo won't tear it. A few years ago, there was a certain period of time that we didn't do that. During that time, there were instances where the fellows caused so much vaginal damage that the girl hemorrhaged and sometimes didn't survive. It caused some problems within the congregation. Nobody likes watching a girl bleed to death. Well, now you know what this is all about. I don't imagine you're a virgin anyway. Virgins are pretty hard to come by. During the years in which I've been the dungeon master, the variety we sometimes snatch are pretty young girls, 13, 14 years old. And even with that, we've only had two virgins. Well, so much for that. You know you're, how you're going to serve the church. Now let's talk about how you're going to serve me. It is within my power to make you stay in the dungeon reasonably easier or living hell. You're going to be, there are going to be some rules, whether you like them or not, you will learn to obey them. You're going to find that I don't have any patience at all with pretty little girls and forget that we sometimes make mistakes. Crying is acceptable as long as you're not too loud about it. Most of the time I expect you to keep your mouth shut. You need to tell me, however... When you need to use the restroom, because if you're going to make a mess where the people kiss or crap, you're going to be forced to lick it up. Don't bite. There are no second chances. If you bite, I cut. As far as kicking goes, I don't really have a set punishment for that. If you should hurt me with your feet, the punishment shall be whatever I decide. That's not fair, but that's life. When the church is done with you, the high priest will advise me when you are going to be released. and I will initiate a process that will take about two days. You're going to be injected with a combination of drugs and then brainwashed until you don't remember the church, me, this place, or anything. Any fucking thing that's happened to you. After the hypnosis has taken effect, you'll be taken somewhere near some town and turned loose. Everything will heal up in two to three weeks. So it will probably just take a little longer for your vagina to shrink back to normal size. And that too will come to pass. Now, this is the beginning of a very trying ordeal for you. This experience is going to be very traumatic. The nights in which you are taken to the church are going to be the worst by far. 
Each time you're going to experience about 10 hours of pure hell. Satan is a harsh taskmaster. All right, let's finish. Let's let's finish this up. I, I'm I think I'm done. I mean, we I'm skipping a lot, but that's probably a good thing. So what do we got here? Cindy Hindi was released three years ago. I don't know what she's doing. Probably changed her name. Maybe she's doing the same shit she was doing, probably. Let's hope not. <clears throat> David Parker Ray, what do you think happened to him? Life in prison. But he died. Because he would be um, almost 100 now. What? No. He would be 90. 1939? That's... Warren Buffett was born in 1930. Okay. You think everyone that hits 90 just dies? No, but I think that this guy died. He doesn't deserve to live, for sure. He goes to the full trial, and the trial was terrible, obviously. I was going back and forth. It was a bunch of... You you can't really try anyone for this. It's got to be a super hard case to try. Anyway, he was found guilty, though. And he was sentenced not to life, but uh, he was sentenced to... I have it written down. He was sentenced in 2001 to 224 years in prison. Wow. But, however, he... uh, On May 28, 2002, he was taken... So, one year after, he was taken to... Um, the hospital, and he died of a heart attack. So he died. He's Good. dead. He dead. He's dead. He Cindy, dead. Cindy Hendy's out. David Ray died. There's a bunch of victims that will never be found. Well, that's terrible. As someone mentioned earlier, no one really covers this case. I think I'm the first podcast to ever cover this. <laughs> 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 Uh, any questions from live chat land? This has gotten really out of control. Thanks to Jen's bagels. No, you know what? Thank you to my bagels because those are the only thing keeping us from being super, super drunk because they're soaking up the alcohol in our systems right now. David was sentenced to the maximum. He did die a year later. And after he was found guilty, he said, Quote, my sexual fantasies are not that unusual. There are approximately 2 million people in the United States who have the same fantasies. Next time, I'm going to be a more selective of my friends. When they played the audio tape, I thought it was a violation of my U.S. constitutional rights. Why? It was a source of entertainment for me to create those tapes. I don't hate women at all. I get my sexual excitement from making women happy. I got pleasure out of a woman getting pleasure. I did what they wanted me to do. Oh, that's false. That is totally false, sir. Yeah. He's a fucking... Um, I kind of want you to read one other thing, babe, but I guess we're not. It was going to be the initial handling, but I guess not. I'll put the initial handling... The initial handling document and these are all corporate documents are what they're printed out to be they look corporate like logo davis logo big old phallus on it and shit anyway so the initial handling i'll put this document on there because i don't think nicole wants to read it but it's a checklist for instance 
just going through it real quick. Uh, number one, the new female captive should be gagged, blindfolded with wrists and ankles chained. Uh, moving forward to uh, bullet point number six. Use scissors to slowly remove her dress, blouse, or sweater. Cut and remove the bra. I'm going to move down to number 12. Remove her leg irons and tighten the ankle straps, pulling her legs upward until the middle part of her body is horizontal. The ankle straps will force her legs apart. Moving on again to number 15. Play with her sex organs, her, vag her vagina and anus. Force large dildos deep into both holes. Use clamps, needles, and other devices on her tits and sex organs. Clit and cunt lips. Whip her and use electroshock. Okay, moving on the checklist. Let's go to 18. Keep her body suspended for two to three hours. Then roll the gynecological gynecological bench directly beneath her. Lower her body down on the bench. Release one arm or leg at a time and secure it to the bench until she is strapped. Down, buckle all the straps to her body until she is totally immobilized. Note the shock value. I mean, dude, he's got a whole checklist. <laughs> it's disturbing. Uh, anything else you want, fucking D, for requesting this shit? <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just glad he's and dead. a Merry Christmas to all, and is, to all a good night. Is there any way we can block D from the fucking podcast? I'm just kidding. No, we love D. D. I love your stories. I love D. I love the prison story. It was a fantastic story. This one's also a fantastic story. It's just hard. It's hard because there's so many bodies out there that mm -hmm. will never be found. And well, rest in peace. And then to the bowling alley victims. Bowling alley massacre was also a great story. So I really enjoy your stories. And uh, Tia, plain cream cheese twinning. Stop stealing my wife. She doesn't. She doesn't go that way. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Nikwees. Can we sing it? Can you're, I sing? You're putting cream cheese all in the dog's noses. So to keep them busy. <laughs> all right. Well, t I, <laughs> look at Hubble. He's struggling. Uh, have a lovely Christmas. Yeah, we won't be recording next Sunday. So yeah, Merry we're Christmas. recording Saturday, right? Yeah. Uh, are we? Saturday yeah, is Christmas. Probably. Oh. No, Saturday is Christmas. We Monday. have to record a story. Somewhere Monday. Monday. Monday evening would be fine. Probably. Okay, Monday I, evening would be the next. I don't know. I guess that's all I, I hope got. you guys get some snow, but not so much that it'll derail you from returning to your destination. Um, but yeah. merry holidays, merry merry, happy happy. Um, we couldn't do what we do without you guys. So thank you so much for listening and for chatting with us. Uh, so. And be sure to comment and you can win uh, this week just like Tia did. And until next time, my name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen. What, Jen? I, this is also our last episode of the of 2021, if you think about it. Because even because if you do the math, one week is 1225 and two mm. weeks is... is uh, he might still put, put one out. I mean, there'll be a... I don't know. Well... If, if anything, mind, happy then. new year. Well, just thank you. <clears throat> so this is Talk Murder Me Podcast. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. My name is John. Until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. Hey, guys. It's me again. I want to completely, in this case, something interesting that I found and link everything together. It's only going to take a minute. 
But on the morning of May 2nd, 2003, a woman wearing a mask walks into the Albuquerque State and Bank Trust, that little bank there, and she attempts to rob the bank. Hold on a second, John. May 2003, what does this have to do with the David Parker Ray case? He, he's been dead for a year now. This lady unsuccessfully robs the bank. She is met outside by law enforcement officers. She is told to get on the ground, put down her weapon, and surrender peacefully. She says, quote, you're going to have to shoot me, end quote. She raises up her firearm at the police, and they open fire. They shoot her three times. She dies right there on the pavement. So what has this got to do with David Parker Ray? He's been dead for a year. This woman, they soon realized, was actually one of their own. Her name was Karen Yance. She was a highly decorated criminal investigator. And from the Star Gazette, May 2003, they describe her as a, quote, devoted stepmother and a generous friend and a top flight criminal investigator. She walks in that bank on May 2nd with the intention of never walking out. That was suicide by cop. That's what she wanted to do, and she was successful at it. Once they unmasked her, they saw that it was a fellow officer. Now they're asking why. How did this happen? She was in debt, gambling debt, $100,000 of gambling debt, and those loans were being called, and she was really struggling. However, she was also the wife of Jim Yance, which we didn't really go into him, but he was the primary detective that was chasing David Parker Ray. And this case was stressful. To take a suspected serial killer of up to 60 or possibly even more women and girls and have no evidence and then have the judge throw out half of the torture tapes and the daunting realization that this guy may walk free, that puts a lot of stress on a family. Now, I'm not saying that David Parker Ray had anything to do with this directly, but you remember we started with Patricia Rust, the FBI, who committed suicide after spending five days in David Parker Ray's toy box? That stress eats up at you. Now, I don't think Patricia Rust knew that she was going to kill herself. When she walked into that toy box the first day, she had no idea that she would be dead in five days. But the stress, the horrific scenes that she witnessed drove her to that. So I just kind of wanted to end it there. No matter what your view on law enforcement, military, EMTs, or whatever, you got to remember that these guys... The stress that they face is, is unreal sometimes. Patricia Russ, for example, FBI agent, Quantico trained, expert in her field. I mean, you got to be somebody special to be in the FBI. And she walks into the toy, she walks into David's toy box day one to do her job. She had no idea that she was going to kill herself in five days. No idea. So whatever happened in that five days happened inside of her brain. It happened with her thinking 
and it happened extremely quickly to the point where most people would think it's irrational. Why would she do that? The fact is that even today, we don't really understand how the brain works. We can't actually answer that question, but we do know that stress, stressors in your life, especially now, man, around December, Christmas, this is when the stress really comes out. The new year, you need to really take a look and make sure that your mental health state is good and you need to change things that need to be changed in your life. I'm just saying, man, I, I've been there as a combat veteran. Like this, Stories like these, they really get to me because I, I know how quickly that a mental state can decline. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. But also, man, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm trying to make this a full-time thing for me, at least. That's why we're doing these little episodes more in-depth, an hour each. But I want to kind of do it at least three or four times a week, put out episodes. Because this is what I do. is what I love. And I love you guys. And thank you so much for all the support. Could not do it without you. Would not want to do it without you. You know what? Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. And thank you guys so much for listening.